if we don't implement mechanisms in our organization to give room to others to express their ideas, diversity itself is not gonna help us to solve this bias problem. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to a special episode of Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. As a part of our continuing series on race in tech, we're going to look at it through a different lens today. I am joined by three incredible guests. Together, we are going to explore an aspect of race in tech, bias embedded in technology. Specifically, we are going to talk about artificial intelligence and biases that find their way into the models, data, and algorithms. Our panelists today are Nayeli Hernandez, data analyst for Cardon and a second timer here on Status Go. Welcome back, Nayeli. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me back. Glad to have you back, and thank you for bringing this idea up for this episode. I appreciate that. My pleasure. Next is Suda Gayathri. Suda is a clinical researcher. She has a bachelor's degree in biotechnology and recently completed her master's in information and communication sciences. Welcome, Suda. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to join you today and put forward my perspective on this topic. We're excited to have you on here as well. I really enjoyed our, our prep call the other day. And our third guest is Ashish Kandelwal, a postdoc research associate and instructor at the University of Illinois. Welcome, Ashish. Hi, Jeff. Very excited to be part of this talk. I think this is a really important conversation, and it's one that I think uh, is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. There's been a lot of articles written about this very topic this year, so I think this conversation is very, very timely. Each one of you brings a unique perspective to our discussion today, and so feel free to interact with each other as we talk. If one of the others says something that you would like to amplify or expand upon, feel free to do that. Natalie, I'd like to start with you. You kind of gave us the idea for this episode based on an article that you shared recently from HBR. AI engineers need to think beyond engineering. And to our listeners, we will include a link to that article in the show notes. So Natalie, can you tell us a bit about your background and then share what stood out for you in that article. Well, I am a data analyst with background in HR, psychology, and polygraph. So as I was learning how to develop these models uh, for classification, I realized how important it is to be aware of biases because as a data analyst, we have a lot of input into what data we're gonna use, what variables we're gonna use for the classification. And this topic, uh, this article in particular, really made the point for me that 
we cannot just look at the data and make a decision based on that because the machines cannot understand the biases the data reveals, nor the consequences or the advice that it will come out of it. Excellent. Thank you so much. Suda, I know that you've seen some of the impacts firsthand. Can you tell our listeners about your background and then why you are so passionate about this particular issue? Sure, Jeff. Um, so starting out, I'm a small town girl from India who always dreamed to do big in biology. And I started as a biotech undergrad, as you mentioned, and did my PG diploma in healthcare informatics and served in different roles over eight years back in India and uh, graduated this July with a master's degree uh, with majoring in networking, big data, cloud and AI. So my interest in AI and data analytics started four years back while I was working in a medical imaging department at a clinical research organization. And uh, excitingly, I have been a part of this organization, Think Tank Initiative, that's called AI in MI, which mainly aims at studying the possibilities of leveraging AI during the study of the medical images. So these medical images study aids in evaluating the efficacy of the investigative drug. So let's say that, uh, you know, during this current pandemic situation, we are trying to, uh, you know, develop a drug for to treat mm -hmm. coronavirus, right? So uh, these clinical organizations pitch in, uh, they study, the, they conduct the clinical trials, you know, study the uh, medical images like uh, CT, PET, and etc. to see whether the drug is, you know, being effectively uh, used and, uh, you know, that is uh, correctly treating the infection. So it is during this time I did my research and realized that how a piece of technology, especially the uh, machine learning models, uh, can empower different industries like medicine and uh, clinical research, and, and other fields as well, like investive banking uh, at a global scale. So experts believe that digital transformation industry has hit the fourth wave already. And uh, though it is exciting, it also comes with significant challenges. And analytics continues to be the top concerned area, followed by the cybersecurity, automation and employee production. And understanding the benefits of AI is just not enough to completely integrate this platform, you know. Uh, to other existing enterprise applications. And I believe that there are several other aspects like, you know, training the people who are handling the data, including the diverse perspectives of the data scientists while building the models and being vigilant to avoid bios that can creep in into the model at any stage of execution. And uh, one should study and understand these aspects very carefully to make the you know, data analytics, AI, and uh, uh, ML, you know, machine learning more viable and productive. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I love that you uh, have experienced some of this firsthand, and I know we'll dig into more of this in a few minutes. Ashish, you have a very interesting background, mathematics, marketing, and analytics. Can you tell us a bit more about your background and then share your perspective on bias in AI? Yeah, sure, Jeff, happy to. Uh, so I've been very fortunate to have worked in diverse industries and roles to note how diverse could our perspectives be. I have worked in business development and marketing research in industries such as banking and finance, medical and healthcare, talent management, and higher education. What I found across these jobs is that we human grossly underestimate the amount 
and the variety of bias we may be suffering from. For example, working with Johnson & Johnson in their Global Strategic Insights Department, I undertook a cross-cultural study to understand pain. So I was working in the pain care category. Based on the research that I was conducting there, uh, spreading across 15 geographies, what I found very surprising was that different cultures differ in terms of how we even decide who has the ultimate authority uh, to define the pain. So in many Eastern cultures, you would find that it is the, uh, the physician who has the final say about the degree of pain that a patient is suffering, which is very, you know, which would be very surprising uh, for somebody living in the US. Mm-hmm. And not that, even how we interpret painful experiences and what we are supposed to do with that varies tremendously across these different cultures. So based on whatever little experience I have gained working in different industries, what I have found is we suffer from many biases and at an unconscious level. Mm -hmm. And when we build products using these data, the data that is the result of our past biased decisions, we are going to perpetuate these biases at scale. And this is a concern that everybody working in tech, AI, machine learning must share. And I'm no different. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. And and that's what I loved about getting the three of you together, because as I said at the outset, you all have very unique perspectives. Nile, I want to come back to you. And you mentioned that as you were taking the courses, you began to come to an understanding of the amount of control or the amount of impact the person that's creating the models has. So could you talk a little bit more about that realization and then uh, maybe tie it back to the article that we mentioned earlier about what things are in the control of that data analyst that they need to be aware of? Yes. So um, it's always learning to, to build this model. The first stage is when you are cleaning the data. That is like the first time that you have your input because you get to decide what is valuable data and what is useful data and what is noise. So that is like the first point where you actually have an impact with the entire process. And then the second stage where you also as an analyst have input on how the decision is going to be made by the algorithm is by selecting the variables that the model is going to use to make the classification or the decision. So again, the analyst has to decide which variables are important. So for example, there have been several articles and several controversies about the models they are being used for um, selecting candidates by Amazon and Google because they are using gender and they are using race. So if we look back in history of technology, most of the engineers that are already in the field are white and they are males. Mm-hmm. So if we build the algorithm to say, um, look for the variables or the the characteristics or features of successful employees in that role. And if we select 
gender and we select race, then it's going to look for white males with this kind of uh, experience. But what I want to be cautious is about this kind of like variables that we are putting in the decision model. Like, do we really need to include gender? Do we really need to include race? Probably not. It's really not that important, right? What is more important is the credentials and the experience and the projects that they have done in the past. So that's a very, very important piece where the analysts get to decide what is going to be considered to make the decision. Yeah. And then the third step where the analyst also has a huge impact is like, how are you going to interpret the results that come back from the model? Because we also get to decide um, on the threshold, you know, if 60% or 50% is going to be considered positive or is going to be considered uh, negative. So that is another thing that we also get to decide, like how important is to have a false positive or how important is to have a false negative. So an example will be like emails. If one of your emails is flagged as a spam, so it's not as important, that will be a false positive. If it's an important message, they should have gotten your inbox, but it went to spam. It is important, but it's not as important as someone being diagnosed with cancer and really didn't have cancer. Right. Or someone being diagnosed with a stroke or potential to have a stroke and they really are not going to have one or they didn't have one. So those are like the three key points where I see the analyst has a huge impact and I feel a lot of responsibility. And that's why I want to share with the community that we have to be very careful. Yes. Thank you for that. Suda, I'd like to come back to you. I know when we had our conversation the other day, you made a great comment about brain versus mind. Do you mind repeating that and then talking, uh, letting our audience know a little bit about what you were thinking about in that regard? Uh, Sure, Jeff. Uh, So it is considered that the human brain, you know, the modern human brain is 40,000 years old. And Homo sapiens, we uh, inherited this brain, you know, in the process of evolution, like around two lakh years old. So when I say that brain versus uh, mind, so we are just talking about the physical structural evaluation uh, when when we talk about these figures or 4,000 or 2 lakhs. And when it comes to the medicine or medical surgeries, we still look at only this thing that what we can look through our eye. But there is another underlying information that the DNA has carried us all over these years of evolution which had shaped into the physical existing thing. So I'm talking about that invisible thing that is called as mind, you know. And uh, when I, I, I want to correlate this with what Ashish has mentioned earlier, like unconscious bias. So we don't even realize that we are biased until and unless you sit on it or somebody uh, put a finger across or pointed to us like, you know, you behaved in such a way or you you had made an opinion in such a way. And until then, we don't even realize that and we don't even uh, afford to introspect. Uh, 
because we don't have time right uh, we are just right. running behind the results we are just running behind in this fast paced environment uh, catching up with the rest of the world and nobody you know seems to find time to introspect and uh, revisit and rethink uh, what they are doing or what they have done to just make a better decision in future so we are just going with the flow and when people say this as a very casual word go with the flow i often <laughs> you know stand back and think uh, do i have to really go with the flow <laughs> yeah yeah so that's what uh, when i meant you know brain versus mind you know coming from a biology background i always insist and believe that nature is you know following a more superior uh, process of manufacturing or you know building building the things around us and uh, i still feel that it has the greatest and more advanced and superior technology than ever any ever human created technologies and i always compare that that's what you know when intentions and uh, people uh, minds their visions play a major role and i really feel that the technology industry has become very short sighted in this <laughs> aspect you know we we are just running around the uh, money and the time and as fast as we can is it really necessary is what i think and if it is necessary let's make it sustainable you know do something that is sustainable for long periods of time and that's where you will thrive and survive throughout and you can assure the uh, you know sustainable development yeah i think it's interesting and and it, and this occurred to me the other day when when you were talking about this is there's a there's a great book called biomimicry it it dives into a lot of what you were just talking there about the systems that nature has and how many of the man-made systems are built to mimic them and i think the other thing that's important in this conversation is that we all have bias that's part of the way the brain and the mind work is uh, it helps us navigate the complexities of our daily lives by kind of short-circuiting things so to speak but what that means then is it's very important as you say that we examine and reflect on those biases and make sure that we're not bringing in negative biases that will impact other people's lives because of the decisions that we made in our technology absolutely absolutely and as nayeli mentioned you know the cleaning data setting the stand you know who who gets to decide uh, what variables have to be taken under consideration all these things have to be regulated like you should have i i mean may, any organization which implements these models should have an ethical group who would closely look and examine these these kinds of things and uh, then you know regulate the rules and then cascade the same throughout the workforce within the organization Ashish I'd like to like to come back to you and first of all your example of kind of the definition of pain varies in various cultures that was eye opening because you know the the first thing that a doctor asks you at least here in the US is you know on a scale of 1 to 10 where's your pain well it's very subjective my number 7 may not be your number 7 but then when you you add the cultural aspects into that the doctor gets to decide what my pain is that really throws a wrench into the data analysis and, and i'm sure that makes the the data far more complex 
The other thing that you talked about is preparation bias. Could you talk to us about what preparation bias is and maybe uh, how we might uh, mitigate against preparation bias? Yeah, so Jeff, I think we must understand that the relationship between you know AI and bias is, is complex. Uh, you know, bias can negatively affect our AI solutions and that can harm society, you know, at a scale which is unimaginable. So the bias in the AI solutions, you know, it can just creep at various stages and can be dealt with also at various stages. But the most important part is the data. So the preparation stage is when you give the past data to train your model. And that's where the AI starts taking your biases and all it is going to do is just scale them, perpetuate them. Let's let's be honest with each other. We, we humans are biased. Uh, you know, uh, I think everybody would agree that when we take, uh, you know, recruitment decisions, it's not that our decisions are free from biases. So if you are using, let's say, an algorithm uh, that's built on a data that was collected on past recruitment decisions, as Neely was mentioning, uh, the, the solution is going to be biased again. But I want to make it clear that we should, we should understand that AI is not the source of the problem, but it can actually solve the problem of bias. So what, what I mean by that is, uh, as humans, we all take biased decisions. We are suffering from different types of biases. Uh, and you know, coming back to the example of recruitment, can you ask a human recruiter the, the you know to report the degree of bias that she or he suffers from while taking a recruitment decision? Mm-hmm. What I what I mean is, can you ask the recruiter that you have just uh, rated a candidate, you know, for the recruitment? What would your rating be? had this person been a female not a male of course we can't get any you know answer from them mm-hmm. and that's where ai comes you know to help us because i can very well ask my model that what would you know the prediction be or uh, you know the the rating for the applicant be if this applicant were a female and not a male or was, uh, you know, if it were uh, five years older. Mm-hmm. All these things that we can never ask a human. If we can't ask even ourselves, we can very clearly, quantitatively measure them uh, working with an AI solution. So essentially what I'm trying to say is that your AI can suffer from biases because you gave it the biased data, which was definitely an artifact of your past decisions. But AI can actually help us in removing some of these biases because AI can give us quantitative information about the importance of a particular variable or attribute in the decision. That is an interesting perspective, and I've not heard it stated quite like that before. So I appreciate uh, that view that AI can help identify biases. So we've been talking today about how the humans can introduce bias into the models and into the algorithms, um, but AI can also be used to identify where our biases are showing up. Did I, did I understand that correctly? 
Yeah, I, I mean, th that's essentially is because an AI can, you know, it's just based on some mathematical calculation. So you can always dissect it to identify uh, how would it have uh, rated a, a particular applicant if the gender was gender were reversed or the age was increased or decreased. So one of the solutions, if you will, that has been talked about uh, this year in relation to race in technology in the technology itself, in other words, biases uh, and racism in tech embedded in the technology. And one of the solutions that has been espoused is if you had diverse teams working on the problem, that that would solve the issue of having uh, having racial bias in in technology. So I want to ask each of you in turn of do you think that that is a solution? And if not, why not? And if so, wh why do you think that? So uh, Suda, I'd like to put you on the spot and have you go first with that question. Yeah, th that's a really interesting question, Jeff, and I would love to talk on it because uh, I just want to take uh, an example of you and me. So I grew up somewhere in a tropical climate back in South Asia, and you grew up here, and my experiences are different than yours. So my perspectives are obviously different, will be different than yours, right? So mm -hmm. if, if a problem is given to me, uh, let's take a mathematical problem as Ashish is also here and he's from that background. And if you ask a student to solve that problem, he may take two or three different approaches or two, two or three different people might solve it differently, right? And, mm -hmm. and not only coming from different cultural backgrounds and different places, even if we are from the same place, let's take me and my sister in my family, we, we might think differently, though we are from the same parents and though we had the same resources to grow up, same, same similar kind of experience, but the perspective and the thinking differs a lot. And that's the beauty here. And, and it is always uh, important to incorporate more diversity until and unless it is not deviating from the, uh, you know, I mean, the diversity has to be chosen to a sub certain extent, and that would more definitely, you know, result in more productivity is what I feel. Excellent. Thank you for that. I think it's very true. Uh, as you start to look at people's experiences and what they bring to the table, it enables you to look at and solve problems in different ways. Uh, Ashish, what's what's your response to a diverse team is a mitigation against bias in technology? Oh, that can never be overemphasized. Uh, I would agree to what Sudha just said, and you know, I, I'll try to you know share my perspective through you know an example which is discussed in the article that you just referred to, uh, you know, from HBR. So it's not just the past data. It's also about the, the assumptions that we make. In econometrics, you know, the, you know, the, the discipline that gave us many models to you know, make decisions earlier, biases were always a big concern. Now in AI, since we are more concerned about you know, the predictions, we may think that we need not worry about understanding the cause and defect relationship, but you can never be more wrong you know, with that. So as, uh, you know, this article talks about one of the, uh, you know, examples of uh, using AI 
to decide uh, you know healthcare services being offered to people the, the solution was biased because it was not recommending more you know it was not recommending people who needed these services more it's just because they have not used these services in the past so let me give you you know a little more detail on this the algorithm made an assumption of course the the developer of the algorithm made the assumption uh, that people uh, how much have they used healthcare services in the past is an indicator of how much they need these services mm-hmm. they just ignored the fact that there are people who may have needed these services but they could not have afforded them and as a result the algorithm uh prioritizes white population uh you know when it comes to recommend them for healthcare services because it just believes since in the past they have spent more money uh you know on these services so that is a group that needs it more while we had you know a black population which needs this more but it's just that in the past it was not able to demand it because it didn't have enough resources and that AI is just ignoring that population. So I can't just overemphasize this fact that the diversity that you bring in will bring the diversity of you know these assumptions. So it is the diversity of assumptions that we need while building these models. But let me uh, also put one caveat here that is just building a diverse team will not get you the results. Of course it's a, it's the right first step mm-hmm. but if your culture does not allow promoting diverse opinions if your culture does not allow people to share their uh, you know thoughts their assumptions uh, then having diverse team may not really achieve much results there yeah that's a good point is you've got to have the inclusion part of de and i right you've got to make sure that your culture provides the mechanism to raise those diverse thoughts and and those cultures to the forefront. Naali, I'd like to turn to you and have you answer uh, the question about diverse teams and solving the the problem of bias in technology. Yes, Jeff, I completely agree with this, Shish. If we don't implement mechanisms in our organization, to give room to others to express their ideas, diversity itself is not gonna help us to solve this bias problem. And when I say diverse, I don't just talk about race, but I talk about background. So for example, my background is in HR and like I say, polygraph. So in polygraph, we are very, very aware that the decisions that we make are going to impact people's lives, right? So if someone is taking a test because of a, a sexual accusation or a, another criminal accusation like um, homicide or uh, any other like fraud, then that is going to be something that's going to change that person's life. And you have to be very careful in how you're going to use the data. And so when you have a diverse team, you also have to make sure that uh, you have processes in place to gather that information from the different members of your team. Because you can also fall into what is called a process loss. So process loss is when the members of your team 
don't feel encouraged, they are not motivated, or they are afraid of expressing their view and share it with the team. And so not just having a diverse team is going to guarantee that you're not going to have biases. You have to make sure that you have mechanisms. I, I love that because you're absolutely right. I think it goes beyond just having the team. You have to make sure that everybody has a voice. And I, I will add, Natalie, I've known you for oh almost a year now. It's probably closing in on a year. I never knew you had a background in polygraph. That will be an interesting conversation the next time we catch up. <laughs> I would love to hear some of those stories. As you know, we are all about action here on Status Go. It's kind of in our name. I'd like for each of you to offer an action that our listeners can take tomorrow because they listen to us today. Ashish, I'd like to start with you. What's one thing or two things our listeners can do tomorrow because they heard us talk about this topic today? So uh, I'll give my two cents here. So first of all is you know, build a diverse team. And as I said earlier, it's not just the diverse in terms of, you know, share, you know, representing different backgrounds, but you have got to include everybody also. So build a culture, promote a culture. Um, and secondly, many of you would be procuring your AI products or solutions developed by other companies. You should check how diverse their teams were, because that's going to reflect how biased will your solution be? So those are the two things that I would. Excellent. Great advice, Ashish. I appreciate that. Suda, what's your advice to our listeners? So I would talk in the sense of uh, our personal lives. So I, I believe that any tech, any piece of tech that is being created is to simplify our jobs or achieve business goals or personal goals and maybe personal goals and, and make our lives better and living better. So turning data into information, information into knowledge and knowledge into wisdom is the key here. And you may be in any at, at any stage of this you know, cycle. And we must be vigilant of creating sustainable technologies. Always, always think back and uh, when you're adapting a technology, just see how sustainable it is. And uh, do think that when an application fails, it's never the fault of the application because it is not a piece of hardware that is susceptible to wear and tear. So it is, it is just our brains, our ideas, and our thoughts being you know, programmed into an, and developed into an application. So we should understand and take it as our responsibility. And as Ashish mentioned, it is always important to take diverse perspectives you know, while building such applications. Uh, you know, I recently came across an article from Gartner, and it stated one of the myths that is associated with these data analytical models. So a finished uh, model or a product gives the impression that it can learn on its own. But no, it's, it's not the truth. Uh, experienced human data scientists frame these problems, either, either it's a business problem or, or a scientific problem or a personal problem that they want to address and prepare the data for it, determine the appropriate data sets, remove potential biases in the training of the data. And most importantly, you know, you need to update the software to enable the integration of new knowledge and data into the next learning cycles. 
So this is what is stated in Gartner and I very much want to put this in front of the listeners today uh, to understand uh, it's not about the application, it's about you. What, how you think, uh, how you build. I love that. It's not about the application, it's about you. That's, that's a great perspective. Thank you, Suda. And Nayali, uh, what are your recommendations for our audience I would like to um, recommend to engineers and any data analysts that is building the models to be inclusive. I think inclusion is the key to make better decisions. If you include your stakeholders, if you include the people that are going to be impacted by the decisions that your algorithm is going to make, you're going to understand the data better and you're going to understand the problem better and when you can understand the whole context of what you're analyzing that you can make better decisions and it's also important to educate non-technical people so within your organization within your company Make sure that you explain others what your model and your algorithm is doing, because that way you're going to have more uh, eyes on what you're doing. And that is always good. We have to be transparent. We have to be able to explain what the model is doing and the decisions that it's making. Because like I said, the more we use algorithms, is going to be used to impact people's lives in healthcare, criminal justice. So it's important to be transparent on those decisions. Perfect. Great advice. We are out of time and I could continue this conversation for hours. This has been fascinating and I really appreciate each one of you taking the time uh, to be with us today. So thank you very, very much for being here. Thank you for having me, Jeff. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Jeff. It was really nice. It's always a pleasure interacting with you, Jeff. And I learned a lot from Ashish. I mean, uh, it's, it's really great meeting you, Ashish. Yeah, great experience. Uh, you know, understanding different perspective on the bias itself. Maybe our perceptions of bias may be biased. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's one of the reasons I love this podcast so much is because I get to learn from all of our amazing guests. To our audiences, if you have a question or you want to learn more, go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information and we'll include links to the articles that we talked about here as well. Some of them may be behind a paywall, but those that are uh, available to you, we'll make sure we have links for that. This is Jeff Tun for Naeli Hernandez, Suda Gothry, and Ashish Kandawal. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.